0: There's some things that if I do them, I'll have a desired outcome, and if I don't, I won't have a desired outcome, right? So, for instance, if I gas up the car, but I don't check the oil and the water, the car will eventually die. My dad used to say, um, you check the oil and the water, the gas will take care of itself. (laughs) Okay, right? Now, if, if I uh, visit the doctor, but I don't take his advice, eventually I'm going to die. He gives me medicine, says, take this, you'll get better. And I don't take it, and then I wonder why I don't get better, and okay. I, I, um, uh, the guys who spend a little bit of Tuesday morning with me uh, know I've, I've kind of told this story to them before, but I watched a guy uh, for months. When the, when the wellness center was right out here. I watched this guy, I would see him every Tuesday morning at 6.30 when I walked in, and he was, he was. I know he told his wife when he left the house, I'm going to work out, never saw him break a sweat, and he was usually had a donut in his hand. And I wonder if he was saying to his wife, I can't understand why I'm gaining weight, okay? Because the truth is, if you go to the gym, but you only enjoy the fellowship and donuts there, then you're probably going to gain weight, okay? Uh, it's just kind of, it's the law of things, right? Well, we're going to see today in our study of 1 Corinthians 13, which is, you know, incredibly familiar, and it's hard to teach on a familiar passage, but we're going to see some things that will allow us to kind of connect the dots, I think. Now, let me give you just a little bit of, a little bit of background. Um, uh, there are those in this church that Paul writes to um, who have kind of a concept of spirituality. You and I have been talking for weeks about what it means to be spiritual. We're actually kind of finishing this out with this monumental chapter today. What it means to be spiritual. And there are those in this Corinthian church who have different concepts of of what distinguishes authentic spirituality from inauthentic, and they've got it completely wrong. They're 180 degrees wrong. And so Paul's going to kind of call them out on it, and he's doing that in chapter 12 and also in chapter 14, and he stops off along the way to give this, you could call it a song, couldn't you? It reads almost like a song. To talk about the idea here, um, of what is really important. Its conceptualization really is grounded in the most essential expression of God's character, and that is love. Read 1 John four nineteen, and you're gonna hear the Bible say that God simply is love. Now, the Christians to whom Paul wrote this letter uh, in 1 Corinthians had come to equate knowledge with spirituality, or they had come to equate some particular kind of dramatic uh, gift or expression with spirituality, but the, Paul's going to ask kind of the questions implied here: Do such things make a person more spiritual? And Paul's answer is a qualified no. If these gifts by themselves, they don't really make a spurt- person spiritually superior. Superior, in fact, the idea of spiritual superiority is contrary to what. It's all about. Um, And so Paul offers this extended lyrical discourse on godly love in 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, in many respects, even though it's not the last chapter of this little letter, it is certainly the climax of the letter, you could argue. And so let's get into the text a little bit. Bob, you're wearing loving purple today. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. Would you read the first three verses? It's are going to set the tone for it. Okay, now, I think what Paul's dealing with here, I, I've read this concept this week, and it, it's kind of resonated with me, okay? Uh, he begins to kind of deal with defining love a little bit. He's going to define it a little more later, but uh, more, more specifically later. But um, some in this church that he's addressing, kind of have exalted the ability to speak in other languages by the Holy Spirit's power And he's kind of finishing in chapter 14, the discussion that begins in chapter 12, and right in between it, he's trying to set the tone of this whole conversation. To speak various human languages by God's power is pretty impressive. There's kind of a wow factor to that, isn't there? So the idea here is, Paul seems to be concerned, I think, uh, that some desire to be seen as impressive, but not necessarily loving. The word impressive goes in your blank there. Impress. To be impressive, not necessarily loving. Now you giggled at me. Did I step on somebody's foot? I want to think about this for just a second. Paul seems to be concerned that some desire just to kind of be impressive, not necessarily loving, and he's going to call them out on that. Now, now, um, uh, Alice LaPuerta, who ed- edits a, a magazine called Multilingual living magazine grew up in a home where german korean and english were all three spoken Uh, her husband uh, was from ecuador and her three children now live in austria and so as a result their children are being brought up in a trilingual environment of german and spanish and english i spent some time with a co-worker this week and i asked her little six or seven year old girl i said okay uh Lee, do you speak uh more spanish or english because they're completely bilingual in fact, uh, Christella, her, her mother who works for us, uh, is wonderfully, completely bilingual, that, and she works on the Spanish side of our business, and it helps us so much. And, and so Christella just kind of, she kind of blushed a little bit. She said, well, really, probably more English than Spanish. But I know both are spoken in their home. Well, The, the issue here in this magazine is LaPorta notes the challenges of being multilingual. One challenge is kind of a spirit of elitism that can characterize some who are able to speak more than one language. You ever been around them? Maybe maybe you've experienced that. Uh, a lot of folks like that view themselves as kind of superior to those who speak fewer languages. Now, can you imagine, add to that, if you think, if you realize or recognize or think that the ability to speak in that other language, whatever it is, or a tongue, as it's called here in 1 Corinthians 13, was given to you by God. This isn't a language that you learned. That ability was given now, can you see how that would add to kind of this superiority idea? So the idea is uh, that uh, Paul's calling out is this kind of need to impress. And he's saying, you know what? If you can do all of these things, but you don't have love in your life and love in your heart, then you might as well, instead of talking, you might as well go. And we've got one of these back in the orchestra room backstage at hear at Crossings, if you'd like to hear what it sounds like you can take a big mallet and hit a gong and it'll do about as much good isn't that what he says okay it's like handing a three year old a set of symbols and saying go to it that's what he says it carries about as much value by the way put your earplugs in if you're going to try that last experiment okay okay now the need so many people have, so many of us, and me included, sometimes is to impress. And and Paul's going to kind of blow the lid off of this in this chapter. All right, now let's look at verse uh, two for just a second. There are three gifts that are mentioned here, uh, and they're all okay. Uh, that it's kind of we're going to kind of be put in in um, gonna help put them in perspective go with me back to 12 so if your bible's like mine just look across the page verse 8 for one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit that's knowledge uh, also adds, and to another is given the word, uh, word of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one spirit. To another, the effective miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, we've talked about that passage a couple of weeks ago, the last time we were together. So, he's going to pull out three of these here in the love chapter, And he's going to kind of call them out or he's going to mention them. He's going to mention the first one goes in the blank is the the gift of prophecy. Uh, The idea of prophecy here is to be able to speak God's message, not necessarily to be able to predict the future, although although, uh, in the Old Testament certainly we see that gift exercised. Now I want to say something to you. Next week we're going to start a new series and uh, we're going to be dealing with both the minor and the major prophets in the Old Testament. I've been doing some reading in this. Uh, we will actually next week, if you've never read it, would you please go to the book of Amos. It's just a, a few chapters long. We'll be in the second chapter, so you might read the first couple of chapters in Amos. But we're going to talk to the, talk uh, over the summer about what the prophets had to say about this issue of justice that you and I hear so much talked about in our world today. Okay, They had a lot to say about this, from even four or 500 years before Jesus was born. Okay, so uh, that's what we'll start. But it's this idea of prophecy, not predicting the future necessarily, but speaking God's message. The second gift that's mentioned, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, is the gift of knowledge. Now, knowledge here is the kind of the idea of the ability to understand the things of God. What is Paul implying here? If I could say, I know it all. What's implied? Uh, Certainly arrogance. And in fact, isn't he saying, to tell you the truth, it's not all that important by comparison. It's, you remember, my friend who went to the workout gym, went to the wellness center at Crossings, but only ate donuts. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. By the way, I am never going to tell who this was, so don't try to weasel it out of me. They are not in this room, or I would not be telling this story. All right, now, okay, so knowledge, the ability to know things. And then the last one that's mentioned here in chapter 13 is the gift of faith. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, that that wasn't talking about saving faith, that which brings me to Christ, but we're talking about here uh, an exceptional faith that uh, allows a person to be firm, strong in hard times, and those kind of persons inspire us. Now we all need to have faith in hard times, but this is a kind of faith. Uh, this is a kind of exceptional faith that it's expressed and and uh, and uh, uh, demonstrated by the kind of people that I want praying for me when I'm going through a tough time. Okay. All right. So. Uh, Prophecy and knowledge and faith are mentioned here. And the the truth is that all of these are in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of the idea. Um, Now, look at the blank that I left unfilled. Three gifts. You could argue pretty important gifts. Prophecy, preaching. Uh, Matt and I walked for a minute today, and I said, are you preaching today? And I had listened to his message from last week, which was stellar. I mean, what a great connection to, to Memorial Day weekend and all the baptisms last weekend. Um, but I could have the ability to preach, or I could know it all. Or I could have a faith that even Jesus says could move mountains. And the truth is, and here's, I'm going to fill in the blank up upstream now. These three gifts are mentioned here. Every one of them are useless without love. They're just unimportant as to be laughable, Paul's going to kind of say here. Now, verse 3 is kind of interesting. And by the way, if you're reading in the NIV, somebody read the NIV to me, verse 3. It's interesting, the translation, of the, you know, There's there are two different versions of the NIV. And one of them that I was reading this week um, said something like, and maybe you guys are sitting there, and I just want to be sure we're we're all kind of on the same page here. It says, if I give over my body to hardship that I may boast. Well, that's kind of soft. Uh, you heard what Cindy was reading. It's literally, if I give my body, if I, if I and the, the issue here is martyrdom. So what goes in your blank here, and, and I'm going to make kind of a startling statement here, even martyrdom, could be self-serving and self-aggrandizing. Isn't that an interesting thought? Um, it says, you know, if I'm overly generous, uh, and it even talks about even if I mimic God's self-sacrifice on the cross, any of those things could be, in its final analysis, Paul says, to exalt me not to edify someone else. And it's therefore useless. Bob? Yeah. It's just interesting. I never really thought about it in this context until I was dealing with this this week. I think Paul's saying that even martyrdom could be self-serving. That's just kind of a foreign thought, but true. Okay, I want us to go on to verse 4. Steve Blair, can I get you to read 4 down through 7? Such beautiful, poetic, and appropriately applicable language, right? Now, let me, I, I want to just walk you through. Go back to chapter 4. Your outline says forty-six-six. Good luck finding 1 Corinthians 46, okay? That should be four, six. my I, I was typing with my thumbs, evidently, right there. Um, 1 Corinthians 4.6. You know, there's certain things that a spell check won't pick up, right? And um, I did read the outline, but I missed that. four six, let's start there. I want you to kind of see if you can glean what Paul seems to be preoccupied with here. Now, these things, brethren, I figuratively applied to myself and to Apollos for your sakes. He's kind of comparing his teaching to, to Apollos. So that in us you may learn to exceed, uh, to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against another. Okay, now go over to... Uh, go down to verse 18, 19, same chapter, chapter 14. I was chapter four. Sorry, I'm still, I'm still trying to add chapters to it. Now, some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. By the way, he's saying, I'm coming. Uh, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. Okay? That's, a, he, that's, that's not a threat. That's a promise. Uh, look at five two. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. He's dealing with a a significant issue. That's 5-2. Now, one that I didn't include, but I want us to read. Go to 8-1, chapter 8, verse 1. Just a page over to the right. Now, concerning things, uh, sacrifice to idols. He's dealing with uh, that whole issue. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. See how he's got a kind of a consistent approach to this? I think what Paul seems to be kind of preoccupied here is with matters of pride. In living a life of love, there is no need, or there should be no need in my life, to kind of be greater than everybody else, to be better than everybody else. Um... Or than some other person. If I'm going to say I'm going to live a life of love, there there can't be this spirit within me that I'm going to kind of one-up you or kind of try to be better than you. Okay? Now, verse 5, it seems clearly that... Uh, so, by the way, the issues here that Paul's dealing with in verse 4 is patience, kindness, no jealousy, no no bragging, no arrogance. In, in verse 5, he says it, love doesn't act unbecomingly. It's not... Seeking its own, it's not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. Uh, The idea, I think, here is that love is not self-centered. The focus is on giving, not necessarily receiving. Look at verse 6. Love doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Um, It's the idea here is that both mourning and celebrating between uh, those of us who are part of the family of faith are to be shared, mourning and celebrating. Now, here's the issue, I think, that he's dealing with here. And can I get somebody to run over to Romans 12:15? I want us to read that parallel in just a moment. Somebody grab Romans 12:15. 15. <clears throat> sure. Sure. Paul seems to be preoccupied with matters of pride, or you could put arrogance in that plane. okay? Uh, verse five, uh, love is not self-centered. The focus is on giving, not receiving, okay? Now, in six, we're dealing with the sharing of both mourning and celebrating. Otherwise, if I, if I don't adopt this approach to life, um, then um, maybe... I could have a resentment to the good things that happened in your life. Why is that that happened to me? That ever happened to you? Or someone around you? Wow, he got a promotion. Well, ha ha ha. What's the matter with me? Am I chopped liver? Okay. A failure to be able to celebrate when somebody else is celebrating. And one of the one of the hallmarks here of the kind of spirit-led love that that this life that Paul is talking about is I can celebrate with you when something good is going on in your life. There's another side of this coin, and this one is a particularly heinous side of the coin. It's the one where I celebrate because you're going through hard times. None of you have ever done this, right? I don't care. None of you have ever done this, but it's the idea of Well, I guess he finally got his. And we're not talking about a promotion there, okay? Oh, yeah, well, you know, whatever goes around comes around. Haven't we, a lot of us said something like that or at least had that thought? Okay? Um, Do what? Say it again. You're what you sow. And, And I'm celebrating that, Wayne. That's the idea. It's the uh, uh, may the bird of paradise flap your nose, you know, kind of deal. You know that song? May an elephant caress you with his toes? May your wife be blessed with runners in her hose? Okay. You don't know that song? It's like I'm celebrating your misfortune, John. This would it would my my life my heart has gone out to the folks in Wimberley, Texas, this week. It's just been a horrible, horrible uh, situation. But I could be strictly Oklahoman and say, well, Texas had a coming to them. I'm just, I wouldn't dare do that because my heart is going out to these people. But the idea is, don't we occasionally, to even to people close to us, <clears throat> we both are in the position of not wanting to celebrate what they're currently celebrating. And sometimes even going as far as to celebrating their misfortune. Now, Romans 12, 15. Did anybody go there? Thank you, Wayne. That's the answer. When you're happy, I need to celebrate with you. When you're mourning, I need to cry with you. That's Christian love, folks. That's what he's describing here. It couldn't be more more simple to descri- in its description, but hard sometimes to live out. Celebrating with those who celebrate, mourning with those who mourn. Now, verse 7 is kind of interesting to me. Let me read it again. Uh, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The word all in there makes this one kind of hard for me. And, and so I, I just kind of, kind of want to say God's kind of love often seems kind of unreasonable. It kind of seems unreasonable. Uh, Time magazine back in 2012 featured President Obama as its 2012 person of the year. At the the same time, Tim Cook, the successor to Steve Jobs at Apple, was the runner-up. One commentator on that story said, there's absolutely no shame in finishing second, especially when you're going up against the President of the United States. On the other hand, Some propose that first place is everything and second place is nothing. Maybe you remember the Nike advertising back during the 1996 Olympics. You don't win silver, you lose gold. That was an ad campaign, okay? Uh, So, which philosophy reflects the Christian life? Neither one. Both assume that there's only one first place finisher just by definition, And that there is also a second place silver medal position. But in Christ, the truth is, everyone is seeking for the gold medal in life. And the truth is, everyone in here who has responded to the message of Jesus is going to receive that prize. We need to kind of pull for each other here. So it just kind of becomes hard to deal with. A silver medal doesn't exist in Christianity, only gold. And the truth is, as I look at you, I see I see you as persons wearing that gold medal, uh, you, you, kind of symbolically. And when you cross the tape, um, this beautiful thought that you're going to receive the crown of righteousness. That's kind of from the games as well. Okay, so uh, I think sometimes that that kind of love, even though it's got to be in place, seems a bit. It feels at least a bit unreasonable. Let's look at the last uh, five or six verses. Bob, can I call you back and go to eight and read down through 13? Okay, I'm, I've got about five minutes, so stick with me as I play this. Stuff. I, what time do you have? I have nine. Huh? Okay, so i got a little bit of time. Good. i got ten minutes. Here we go. All right, now, first of all, I think what he's saying here, I, I love the simplicity with which he begins this section because he basically says, love never fails. Okay, I use in weddings, I use a translation uh, from another uh, another translation, a modern translation, that just says love never comes to an end. Love never fails. Now, now the idea here is, here's where you can put your blanks, is that godly love will never give out or never give up. I read that somewhere this week, isn't that good? God's God's love, godly love, the kind of love he places within me, will never give out and it will never give in. I'm sorry, never give up. But that's a different story altogether. <laughs> Godly love, Rhonda's saying, oh yeah, oh yeah. Godly love will never give out. It'll never give up. Now, we're gonna come back to this in a minute, but I, but I wanna encapsulate it with two L words. You ready? Love lasts. It's gonna last forever. Love lasts. All right? Now, as Bob read verse nine and 10, It seems to me that the contrast here is between the temporary and the permanent, or the temporary, and to use a spiritual word, between the temporary and the eternal, okay? Um, uh, It's talking about things that will cease and things that will last. You catch this? And it's interesting, because we're going to deal with it as we apply here in just a second. But there's... uh, uh, there's only an ability now to know in part what later we'll know fully. But it seems really clear that even though Paul acknowledges that, he's dealing with the things that last and the things that won't. And there are some things even that are that seem highly spiritual that will be no longer needed in eternity. And we're going to deal with that in just a minute, okay? Things that are temporary and things that are eternal. Now, here's verse 11. I want to read it again. They want to ask you this kind of rhetorical question. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Now, here's the question here that's implied, I think. What will we never outgrow? That's got to be the answer. Look at three, two. He says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, if indeed now, you're not able. So there are some things that I'm going to outgrow. There there are some things. Um, uh, I, I began to think this week about things that I um, uh, have outgrown. I've outgrown being fed. I can do that fine on my own. Thank you. And if you look at me, you can say, yeah, you're doing a little too well at it. I can feed myself. Silas, my little one-year-old, is still having need a little help with that. Although, by the way, if you put cut up some stuff and put it on his little tray and it doesn't keep coming fast enough, he's going to let you know that he is discouraged about that little issue. Okay, so he's learning to feed himself. I, I don't any longer need anybody to feed me. I've outgrown that. Second, I've outgrown, interestingly, I think, uh, I lived on a bicycle the first, you know, nearly 20 years of my life. I got on a bike in Michigan a few weeks ago, and I thought I was going to, uh, I don't know. I just thought, when did I forget how to ride a stinking bike? I was scared to death. Maybe you can outgrow riding a bike. I don't know. Now, Jim Brown, I know, I know, I know. You live on a bicycle, right? But, but okay. And, and Fonda, you guys, do you still have the twin bicycle, the bicycle built for two that you ride? Uh, Okay, you guys have not outgrown riding a bike. Maybe I have. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Evidently, evidently, if you look at your teacher, you can outgrow your hair. (laughs) I I guess, your need for hair. Uh, My daughter, many of you have commented actually to me this week. My daughter has placed a 1980, circa 1981 or 82 picture of Rhonda and me on Facebook in the last recent days. You know, that's not what Facebook's for, Sally. And I've had so many comments about what happened to your hair. Evidently, I've outgrown the need for hair. Terry, you're there with me, aren't you? Okay, all right. But when you got it right, there are some things, there's one thing, he says, we're not going to outgrow the need for. Now, uh, let me apply this at the end just by filling in your blanks at the, at the bottom. I think in verse 12 and 13, he is saying, I'm pretty sure, faith will no longer be needed in heaven because faith will become sight. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Faith is going to become sight. I won't have a lick a need for faith. That wonderful gift that's described earlier and that was described in chapter 10. I won't have any need for faith because my faith will then be sight. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Sight. My faith will become sight. I will see what I can only have faith to see one day, including Jesus face to face. All right? I'll see loved ones that have gone on before. My faith will become sight. Secondly, he mentions faith, hope, and love, right? Hope will be fulfilled. Um, If your hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, you know that old song, Solid Rock? If my hope is there, then um, I will never have to say again in eternity. I want you to think about this. I hope so. My hope is placed in that. I won't have to, I won't have any need for an expression of hope in heaven because my hope will be fulfilled, it'll be realized. But guess what? And those two things that are so much a part of our everyday living today, I have faith in Jesus Christ. I have hope in an eternal life with him forever, okay? Faith will become sight, hope will be fulfilled, They'll no longer be needed, but love will remain forever, forever. Now, I wanna say this in closing. No one can make you more loving You know, started thinking about, why am I not as loving as No one can make you more loving. But God, you're not off the hook, by the way, but God can make you loving. As he places his spirit within you to love through you. I think that's what he's trying to say in this whole book. That as I appropriate and embrace and acknowledge and allow the Holy Spirit to lead my life. Uh, by the way, where do you get the Holy Spirit? You get the Holy Spirit by saying yes to the Son of God. When you say yes to the Son of God, He gives you the Holy Spirit as a birthday present. And while and, and that wonderful gift then begins to radically change you. You've seen it. I've seen it in some of you. You've talked you've known other people who uh, accepted Christ and and it was like, you saw him six months later, it's like, what happened to you? The Holy Spirit's alive in you. You're much more loving than you used to be. Bingo. The Lord can transform your life into being loving, even though it's not maybe natural with you. Maybe some of these things that you haven't liked about how we've looked at this profile today, you would say, it's really hard for me to do this and not do that. The truth is, he, and he alone, I believe, through his work inside your heart can make you loving. I can't do it myself. It's not going to come that way. Faith won't be needed there. My faith will be sight. My hope will be realized, fulfilled. But love will last forever. Would you live in it today? God bless you. See you next week. We're going to go to Amos next week. Good luck finding that one.